Well, we're in a study in the book of James, and if you are like me, I love James in big part because it's so practical. Uh, James was like, I'm going to get down to brass tacks moment. Does everybody love that about James? Like he just tells you how it is. And uh, part of what he's doing right now is James is talking to a group of people who are dispersed throughout the world because of persecution. They're living under a government that's evil and immoral. Uh, they're living under a, uh, in a society that can be exceptionally cruel. And so James is saying, what happens when you're facing those kind of times? What happens when you're in a pit trying to let God take you in a, in a moment to a place of, of transformation so you can get out of it? And so we've been studying on that. And uh, we know that a part of what we're trying to see is what happens when you get in a pit and what does God do while you're there and how does he get you out? This just in, we have gotten word that John has finally made it out of the pit after four weeks. Inside sources tell us that he finally took his friend John's advice and was active in his faith. He had a police escort coming down the entire 91 freeway today as fans gathered from across the nation to show their support. John is leaving the pit as a cultural sensation and already has a brand deal with T-Mobile as well as a new book coming out this week. Fans cannot contain their excitement. It's a miracle. I don't know what to say. John, I just want to thank you for getting me out of the pit, man. How did you, how did you know the right things to say? I mean, I didn't know everything because I was also in the pit for a time. You were in the pit for a time. Help us! I've been hearing great messages from Pastor Chuck. You know, on all the tools that I was hearing, I was just telling you. Wait, what has Pastor Chuck been preaching on? He's been preaching about all the things that help people like you get out of the pit. Wait, he's been preaching on how to get out of the pit? Yeah. I thought that was your advice. Well, no, I was just relaying it from Pastor Chuck. And you didn't say that? And just like that, John and John learned how to get out of the pit. Dad? What? You're the narrator? It's pandemic time, man. I need the money. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that. I love that. So we've been talking about how to be, how to be the kind of person God wants you to be when things aren't going well, when things aren't going good, when life can be stressful and trials are surrounding you. Uh, James even uses the word that trials are polka dotting your life. In other words, it's like they're just here, 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 and here. But what do you do in those moments? Well, we're called to be a people of joy in those moments, to consider it, remember what he said, not some joy, but what? Consider it all joy, all joy. And so when we're in the trial, when we're in that time of testing, it can make us better. It can refine us so that the things that are not good within us can be exposed so that they can be gotten rid of. And one of the callings James is giving now in this section of James is that we need to be active in our faith. Now, I want to say this. Don't miss it. The faith, I, the faith of Jesus Christ, having faith in him, in and of itself must be active. It can never be passive. 
In other words, if I have faith or you have faith, it's got to be actively embraced in our life, actively guiding our life, actively empowering our life. So that what happens is we actually can look at somebody and see they really are of the faith. And so that's what God wants for you and God wants for me. I think it's very interesting that if you study the book of Acts, you'll find that the early church was known by these words, they are people of the way. They're people of the way. Why was that term used about them? Not just once, but many, many times. Paul even stood up and said, I know you've been talking about the way. And the answer is, is because there was a way of living. Now, now I want to say that again so you don't miss it. There's a way that Christians live that is different than the way other people live. There's a way that I will live as a Christian that's different than how I would have lived before I was a Christian. There ought to be a marked difference in the way people live who are a part of the way. Now, what gets scary is this. Pre-COVID, now I don't know about during COVID or in this moment, but pre-COVID, the Barna Group, did a a study, and they found that only 20% of people who attended church regularly, this is a key part, only 20% of people who attended church regularly were actually active in their faith. That gets scary. Only 20% of those who attended regularly could actually say that their faith in Jesus Christ was the determining factor in how they lived their life and the attitudes they had, how they used their time, how they spent their money, only 20%. Now, let me give you an example of that. Uh, If that were true here, that means of all of you on the patio, only about 75 of you would be for real and the rest would not be. Of those watching online, that means that only about 1,500 of you could be for real. And thousands of you would not be. And uh, that does scare me. That does bother me as your pastor if I thought that were true. And I hope it's not true. But in 2020, we're watching many things that show us that, that people are caught up in all the wrong things. They're not, they're not finding their, their lives strengthened. They're not finding their lives guided by their faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear. There are two ways we can know what's in someone's heart. One is by where their money is. The other is by where their mouth goes. We're going to center in on the mouth part right now. But all I have to do to know what's in you or in me is listen to what you say or watch what you communicate on social media. And so many people today are caught up in things that are hateful and harmful. People I know, and I bring this up because it breaks my heart, you guys. People I know who are posting things that are anti-Christian in reality. They even call it Christian. And yet it could be nothing close to that. I remember one time I was uh, 
interacting with two guys who were atheists. One was from UCR, one was from Cal Poly Pomona. And they were talking about why they didn't believe the Bible was true or Christianity was true. By the way, here's what's interesting. I was very quickly able to sway them on the Bible giving all the evidence behind it, showing them how it came together, how it had been provided by God, protected by God. And I was getting somewhere on that. But where I wasn't able to move them was they pointed to the Crusades and said, see what Christians did. They pointed to the Christian Liberation Army and said, see what Christians did. And I, I tried to tell them they aren't Christians. Would everybody agree just because you use the name Christian, that doesn't make you Christian? But see, we're in a climate today in this country where I don't know that people see that. They're using Jesus's name and putting it on things that, that are not bringing faith, they're bringing fear. Now, faith and fear don't go together. Well, they're putting Jesus's name on things that are mean-spirited and hateful and not loving and caring. James is about to tell us if your faith is real, it will be active. And let me just say it clearly for all of us, because I, James is also going to say, look in the mirror. So this isn't about me pointing at you. It's about me saying, let's all look in the mirror together. Is what I'm doing right now, does that have the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Am I more loving because of the things I'm watching and involved in? Am I more caring because of the things I'm watching and involved in? And are you ready for this? The most important one is, am I more like Christ? Am I more like Jesus? Now, remember that Jesus lived at a time where the government that ruled was immoral and cruel. Uh, James, after Jesus dies and rose again, writing this letter to a people who are actually undergoing painful moments because of what the government was doing. And I don't want you to miss this. He calls them to do something amazing called love because love overcomes hate. Love overcomes hate. And you and I should not be overcome by evil, but we overcome evil, the Bible says, with good. So the, the track is, is we need to follow is the track that we see in the Bible. The direction we should go is the direction we see in the Bible. So but James was part of inspiring a movement that actually overtook the Roman Empire. And just uh, actually in what's considered by historians a short period of time, this minority group of people who were being persecuted, who were people of the way, ended up winning 53% of the Roman Empire to Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, that was real numbers because back then, if you said you were a Christian, you could die. Uh, the minute... The minute they start saying, if you say you're a Christian, you're going to die, a lot of people aren't going to say they're Christians. You'd have to be for real. And so James is saying, I want you to have a faith that is active, that is increasing, that is growing. By the way, we know this from the Bible. Faith is like exercise. Uh, and you know what I want to say? Faith is like exercise, and most of us deep down don't want to do it. <laughs> okay, am I the only one? But when you exercise, what do you do? You get stronger, you get better. Uh, uh, parts of what you were doing that seem hard in the beginning become easier. And then you find yourself with more vitality. Faith has that same, that same power in your life. The more you're active in the faith, the more your faith becomes active in you. 
I, it grows in you. It increases in you. And so you and I need to be feeding our faith. Now, how do you feed your faith? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 10, or Romans 10, verse 17, that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So what I want to do is I want to be a hearer of the word. I want to be a studier of the word. And uh, let me just say that, that we want to make sure that's the kind of people we are and that's what we're doing. And then I need to take that word that I'm hearing and studying and apply it in my life so that I begin to see real differences occur. So what happens is the more I'm in the word of God, the more it helps me see who I am deep down inside and the more it helps me make real change so that I could live this out in a powerful way. Why? Because Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing. As far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Um, I do what many of you do. I meet with God every single day. Um, I most often meet in the morning. And I cannot tell you how many times I'll be in the word of God and I'll look at it and go, uh-oh, <laughs> I just came up short. I'll remember the day before. I'll remember thoughts I had. I'll remember why. Uh, this is probably just a few of us, but why it was hard to go to sleep because I had fear and not faith. Anybody else get honest about that? Okay, good, good. That's not everybody, but I know it's some of us. And then I'm able to say, Lord, how do I strengthen this? How do I get by this? Why didn't I trust you more? Why didn't I trust you better? And then here's what we need to understand is the more I receive that word implanted, the more I find myself strengthened to go beyond that. So in James 1.21, it says this, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness. Now, by the way, it's got to start there. If I find myself being mean-spirited, if I find myself being hateful, are you ready for this? If I find myself wanting my enemy to be cursed and not blessed. Ooh, that's a big one. And maybe nobody else here, but I'm going to go on me. The Bible says, what are we supposed to do to our enemies? Everybody know? Love them, pray for them, bless them. If that's not what I'm doing, then I got to look in the mirror and say, Chuck, what kind of Christian are you? Why are you even allowing that name to be put upon you? You can't do that. So he goes, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers of the word or hearers who delude themselves. So the question is not how much of the word I know, but how much of the word do I know and I begin to live out. How am I doing when it comes to doing? Uh, and so when I'm a, a, a person who's living out the faith, then I'm a doer of the word. When I'm a person of love and care, when I, I see Christ's likeness flowing out of me, then, then I can say I'm a person of the way and not someone who's deluding themselves, saying I'm a Christian but really not one. Remember that pre-COVID study says only 20% of those who call themselves Christians are really living the faith. Uh, Jack Hayford is a pastor I really love. I don't know how many of you know Pastor Jack, but man, God has used him over the years. Jack Hayford told about a time 
that he was walking into the church he was going to preach in. And he said the worship was happening, and in that church, the pastor would sit on the stage during the worship and then stand during the worship with the church. So he's standing on the stage looking out, and he fell into a trance. He had a vision. And he said it almost made him want to scream because he was looking out, and all he could see were were people who were like emaciated skeletons. He had just went from seeing everybody like I'm seeing you to instead he was just seeing almost skeletal forms standing out there. And, and he, he was in that moment, like I said, he was so terrified he almost screamed. But instead, in his mind, he said, Lord, what are you showing me? And Pastor Jack said, God said these words. Jack, that's the real spiritual state of your church. They're not healthy. They're wasting away. When I heard that as a pastor, I thought if I had eyes to see, what would I see? If I could look out and see your spiritual state, not your physical state, what would I see right now? Now, some of you are probably thinking, Chuck, you're just about to get really negative. Well, let me tell you what I'm hearing. Now, maybe I'm not accurate. Let me tell you what I'm hearing. As I go around town, as I read emails, as I get to interact with many of you, what I'm hearing people tell me is since COVID's happened, you're more in the word, not less in the word. Uh, Since COVID happened, you're more consistent and partaking in the messages that come uh, on Wednesdays and on Sundays. I had someone tell me honestly, they said, hey, prior to COVID, I kind of hit church and missed church. He goes, since COVID's hit, I haven't missed one message you've said, because if I don't hear it live, I hear it on demand. And uh, yeah, praise God for that. So if you said, Chuck, are you up here like trying to attack crossroads and say, what's wrong with you? No, let me tell you, I, I, I hope I'm right, but I would say, no, what's right is happening more than what's wrong. Who you are in the faith, who you are in love, who you are in commitment, who you are in care. Uh, I just really believe that. And so I don't believe that if I could see, I would gasp. And, and I would stand in terror. I believe I would see something better, something stronger, something true. Uh, I think that I would see people who are doers of the word. And by the way, when you're a doer of the word, then you get blessed. And by the way, when you get blessed, what should you do? You're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah, without a doubt. So Jesus said, Jesus said uh, in John 13, 17, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. Notice that I need to know these things. So I need to know, I need to study, but then I'm blessed. What? Not when I know, but when I what? Do. Because faith must always be active. And so in a season like this, we want to be people who understand that. Now, and it, there's going to be now, and this isn't to put guilt on you. There are some of you who are sitting there right now going, man, I don't know that I could do another thing. I mean, you want me to do more? Um, And by the way, let me tell you the answer. Yeah, I do. But you go, but Pastor Chuck, I'm tired. Pastor Chuck, I don't have time. Pastor Chuck, I'm overwhelmed. My job, I have to do virtual schooling. Although, by the way, our school district's going back, right? You know what's interesting in psychology? This is, I think, really, really 
applicable to what James is talking about. Uh, there's an area of psychology that talks about two things. Ready? Get ready for this. The scarcity mindset or the enhancement mindset. Now, there's a lot of study on this, not just a little bit, a lot of study. The vast majority of people live by what we call the scarcity mindset. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough energy. So when we talk about, are you in a life group? I don't have time. Are you serving in the church? I don't have time. Are you giving to the church? I don't have enough money. Are you helping other people? I don't have enough. It's the scarcity mindset. And by the way, are you ready for this? The scarcity mindset tends to not be true. It's living in a lie. That, that's kind of interesting. When we sit down with people and analyze, do you really not have enough time? Guess what? They have enough time. They just have to make a choice. When they say, I don't have enough money. <laughs> you know what? Biblically, by the way, God says, that's why you don't have enough money. Uh, I don't have enough energy. Well, you know what? We know what gives people energy. And you know what gives people energy? Is doing the right things. Now, interestingly, there's the enhancement mindset. And in the, they actually call it enhancement theory. And enhancement theory says this. When you feel like you don't have enough time and you don't have enough energy, you probably will get uh, uh, over that and overcome that by adding something in, not taking something out. Now, sometimes you do have to take something out. But, but here's the thing that blows my mind is they were showing study after study of people who uh, said, I don't have enough time and I don't have enough energy. And then they got them to add in things to their life that fed them and they didn't even have to get rid of anything in their life and they did better. So uh, let me give you an example of what would be biblical. If you say, well, I don't have enough time and I don't have energy, then I would say add 30 minutes to an hour of your time in the word of God every day. And guess what you're gonna have? More joy, more energy, and you're gonna use your time better. Uh, If you said... If you said, I don't have time to be in a life group, guess what? Get in a life group and find out what happens. Uh, if you, by the way, I want to tell you, everybody in a life group has the same schedule you do. Did you know that? Uh, they really do. So when you say, I don't have time, oh, come on, come on. I, 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 I was one time having lunch with one of my friends. He's the CEO of a major financial institution. And we bumped into somebody. And I said, how's your life group going? And he said, oh, I just don't have time. And I'm looking at my friend, who's the CEO of one of the largest financial institutions in Southern California. He has time to be in a life group. What, what's going on? It's, it's just making a choice. And you know what the choice is? It's making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And, uh, and choosing to do that. You see, we know that people who live by the scarcity mindset suffer from another psychological condition. This is a real one, not made up. It's called learned helplessness. That's where you think everything in life's controlling you. And by the way, when you're a born-again believer, everything in life's in control of Jesus Christ. So you need to live by that. And you have power and you have energy and you have the ability. But, but people who suffer from learned helplessness, get ready for this. I was so intrigued by this. We know that if you live by learned helplessness long enough, your brain shrinks. <laughs> Okay, this might be mean, but when I'm talking to somebody who manifests learned helplessness, I almost look like, is their head shrinking? You know, 
Well, the brain inside has. It actually loses size. Did you know that? It actually loses size. Isn't it interesting? We know that if people would follow what the Bible says, they would not only not have learned helplessness, they'd have bigger brains, get ready for this, and a bigger heart because they would love more. They would love deeper. It would be more tangible, more real. So James calls for us to be people who are doers of the word. Uh, And we know that that's the whole idea. If you haven't been with me on Wednesday nights of what we call the Asa Shema, Uh, uh, it is actually a a biblical truth that interweaves itself all throughout the Bible of how to have ever-increasing faith. And it begins in Exodus 24, 7, when the people heard the law of God and what they were called to do. It says in Exodus 24, 7, I'm going to give you the literal, all that the Lord has spoken, we will asah, which is a Hebrew word, which means I will do it with all my might. And we will shema which means I'll understand completely. The Bible teaches by doing, you understand. By doing, you experience and faith becomes real. By doing, your faith begins to grow and increase. So God's call for you to pray, you'll only understand prayer if you pray. You'll only understand what it means to study the word of God by studying the word of God. Uh, You'll only understand the power of the tithe by tithing. You'll understand the joy of sharing your faith and witnessing by witnessing. You'll only understand the inhabiting of God's praise, God inhabiting your praise when you praise. It never says that God inhabits the person who doesn't praise, but you'll, you'll understand that the power of praise in that moment. Uh, you'll never understand the joy of using your spiritual gift till you discover your gift and use it. Uh, and, and by the way, what is the number one outcome of using your spiritual gift is joy, joy, and which gives you strength, which gives you energy. And you'll only understand the transformation love brings by showing love. By showing love. Too often we, out, we, we sit around wanting people to come and love us. But you know what? It, do you understand the power that happens when you actively go out and love others? That's when love becomes powerful. That's when love becomes real. And we need to be that way. Jesus said, now get ready, this is Jesus. Jesus said, if you don't do everything I just shared with you, then you're a fool. Now that, that you can't miss that. Jesus said, if you don't do it, if you aren't active, then you're a fool. Where does he say that? He actually says it more than once, but we'll look in one place, Matthew 7, verse 24. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, as a doer, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and slammed against the house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. But everyone, notice every single person, who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. Great was its fall. Jesus said, you know what? You're foolish if you don't take action on this. Why? Because number one, you're missing out on all that God has for you. You and I will never get what God has for us if we don't really live the faith. 
If Again, it's pre-COVID, but if that's true, don't be in the 80% who say you're a Christian and yet it really doesn't make a difference in your life. Be someone who's a doer of the word, where you find a real blessing. And Jesus, again, in Luke 11, verse 27, says, while Jesus was saying these things, he was teaching them. In the crowd, a woman raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But Jesus said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Now, don't miss what he just said. Mary really is, it's not, the Bible teaches Mary is the most blessed of all women. And she is. And Jesus said, you know who gets more blessed than Mary? The one who hears the word of God and lives it out. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful thing to understand. That we actively are loving God and others. That we're generous, by the way, and the Bible teaches to be debt free. I haven't had one person walk up to me going, you know, the day I discovered true happiness was the day I got in debt. <laughs> the Bible says don't get in debt. Be generous. Uh, what if you had a great marriage and, and the reason it was so great is because of how you loved your family? Or maybe you're single and you're thriving because the Bible says, are you ready for this? The Bible actually teaches it's better to be single than married because you can have more energy to serve God. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes uh, people in the uh, uh, people who come to church go, man, it's all about marriage. Man, I want to tell you, if you're single, we love you and we are excited for what God's going to use you to do in this season of your life. So what if it be like to live out a life where the supernatural actually was happening? The Bible teaches when you're a doer of the word, that's what occurs. That's what happens. That's what makes the difference. So what James says is, are you a doer of the word? He said, I want you to get rid of filthiness, get rid of everything that's not good in your life and be someone who receives the word implanted and then don't be just a hearer, be a doer. And then he goes on to say this uh, in James 1.23. It says this, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law of liberty, which is the Bible, and abides by it, not becoming a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. He said, I want you to look at yourself and see yourself for who you are. Uh, when I was going to Hope University, uh, which is right across the street from Cal State Fullerton, uh, Hope uh, had, had all these, these classrooms with windows that were just nothing but windows looking out. But all of them were mirrored. In other words, uh, if you were inside the class, you could see out. If you were outside the class, you could just see a reflection. You couldn't see in at all. The only way to see in would be to go look, you know, like that. And, and so what's so funny is every year, all these Cal State students would park. Uh, uh, they were allowed to park near the school. They would come walking by. And I'm not kidding, at least once, if not twice a week, we'd be sitting in class and someone would walk up and start fixing themselves, not knowing 30 or 40 or 50 students are watching them do it. I won't tell you what she did, but one girl, boy, she would be embarrassed. And James said, don't look at yourself in the mirror and walk away and not realize what's happened. Uh, every now and then I'll have somebody say to me, 
And, and I, I actually enjoy this. Pastor Chuck, do you ever have a hard time listening to yourself? And here's the answer. It may surprise you. Um, no, I really don't. I'm, all these years, I can actually handle hearing my voice. I'm still not used to seeing myself. And so a couple of weeks ago, I watched the sermon that many of you were here for, and I saw what I looked like. Not fun. For all of you who are online, this is a gracious church. Because at least you know my heart's right, because my body did not look good. And I'm looking going, Pam, I look like that. And she goes, that's how you always look. I don't see myself that way. Scary. In my mind, I'm buff, strong. I've got tattoos. No, not really. Um, So he said, I want you to look at yourself for who you are and really be honest about it. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourself, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless, unless indeed you fail the test. So there are ways to test, and uh, we ought to take an honest look. So let me go back to what I said. Is what you're involved in now make you more loving? Because the goal of our instruction is love. If you find yourself angry, if you find yourself wanting to lash out, if you find yourself wanting the worst for somebody and not the best, then you got to get honest and say, I'm involved in the wrong things. I'm thinking the wrong way. Because do I love? Do I care? Am I like Christ? That's what we ask. And again, be very, very careful in this day, especially in this area, in, in this country, how many people are taking the word Christian and putting that label on things that are anything but Christian. It's happening all the time. And it's not right. Is it loving? Is it caring? Is it like Christ? Does it make me loving? Does it make me caring? Does it make me like Christ? If not, I got to examine myself and say, let's make a change. And then James calls for us to do three things here. And I don't want you to miss these because he says, if you're religious and he's using that in a good word, uh, if you really are, if your religion's for real, your faith's for real, he goes in verse 26, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not, notice the three things. Number one, bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This man's religion is useless. Uh, Number two, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So James says three things I want you to do to be a doer of the word. Bridle your tongue, care for orphans and widows in their time of need, and keep yourself unstained from the world. Uh, So let's go ahead and hit those real quickly. Number one, he says, bridle your tongue, bridle your tongue. I remember what James said in James 1, 19 and 20. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Um, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, my podcast, I invited Laura, who's one of our worship leaders, and Tracy, who's my assistant, uh, to be on and talk about what it means to lead when you're an introvert. 
Because uh, very often, by the way, introverts can be amazing leaders, but a lot of people don't think they can be. So I thought I'll have two introverts on who are great leaders to talk about it. So I had all these questions. Uh, uh, Tracy and Laura said, we need the questions ahead of time, which I almost never give the questions ahead of time. Partly because I don't know what they are. <laughs> okay, that's just me. But anyway... So one of the questions was this, what would you guys as introverted leaders say to extroverted leaders? And Laura, without even batting an eye, said, shut up. <laughs> okay, I thought that was awesome. Don't you think that's great advice for some of us? I, she didn't mean it meanly. She wasn't disrespectful. It was a joke. But you know what I even thought about in that moment? That might be some of the best advice on that particular podcast do you know how many of us would do better in life if we would just keep our mouths shut? Now, I, I oh yes. So, um, now some of you are going, boy, that sounds mean. Guess what I am talking to me. So how much better would my life be if I just shut up? You know, just listened. Ask more questions, maybe. Be more interested in what other people are saying than what I'm saying. Would I be a better person? Would I be more like Christ? And so I had to ask that question about me. Uh, I think that goes to how we post on social media. Because too many people are social media are posting things that are bad and not good. Uh, let me give you an example of some things that were posted, uh, believe it or not. Uh, this was one that was on our Crossroads site that I thought was pretty good. Practice mindfulness when you're feeling overwhelmed. And it's just a call to, to think about things and be more positive. But look at this other post that was out there, a series of them. They're not there. Okay, don't look at them. Anyway, I guess my guys, maybe they were so offended by them, they took them off. I don't know. <laughs> There's an acrostic that really is powerful. Get ready. This may be worth your whole day. Uh, it's the acrostic think, T-H-I-N-K. And that's, that's how we bridle our tongue. It, here's the thing to ask. Before I say anything, before I say anything, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Before I say anything, is it true? By the way, let me say this. So much of what being said today is not true. Uh, and it, by, it, here's what really shocks me. Uh, I would say pre-COVID, some of these things would be said, and I could get with people and say, hey, what you're saying is not true. Come on, let's go look at a reliable source. And, and people would go, oh, thank you. Now we're living in a time where the lie is ruling in such a way. When I say, let's look at a reliable source, they go, I don't trust the source. And I'm going, what are you trusting? And then I'll hear these words. Well, the internet says... I thought, oh, yeah, the Bible and the internet, that'll make your life better. They don't go together very well. Is it true? Is it true? Don't be afraid of truth. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? So James says, I want you to bridle your tongue. And if you and I use the think acrostic, that will help us bridle our tongue. Uh, say only good things by knowing, is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, or kind? And, and, and really measuring ourselves that way. Then he says, I want you to care for orphans and widows. 
Uh, Proverbs 11.25 says the generous man will be prosperous and he who waters will himself be watered. Proverbs 22.9 says he who is generous will be blessed for he gives some of his food to the poor. Notice it didn't say you give all your food to the poor, but it does say you give some. And uh, you know, again, I want to say to all of you who are actively a part of this, thank you. We're living in a time where more people are in need, where food insecurity is worse than it's been. And uh, I think one of the most important ministries we have here is our food bank uh, that we, uh, you do. I would encourage you to join Pam and I in this every time we go to the store, or most every time anyway, when we buy food for us, we buy food for the food bank. You know, it, it may not be even a lot sometimes, but we're going to buy something. Uh, and uh, you know what? You guys have done great with that, but uh, we need to even do more. Uh, if you're watching online through Amazon, uh, you could actually send uh, uh, us food here or even send Amazon gift cards so we can buy the food we need. But there are women today who don't have husbands whose source of food is this church for them and their children. Um, we can't always fix every problem, but the one thing I can look people by and tell them is you don't have to do without food. We might have to find other ways to help you, but we're, we're going to make sure food quickly is one that we do. And so we want to be a church that does that. And I believe that would be a mark of sincere faith. I'm a doer of the word when I make sure other people who don't have food have food. And then number three, he says, keep yourself unstained from the world. James said, don't let the world stain you. Uh, in 2 Timothy 2.19, it says, Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. I want to make sure that you and I are doing that. Jesus Christ died for our sins so we could be purified and clean. Let's don't go get in the mud with the rest of the world. Let's don't get down in the dirt with them that way. Um, let's make sure we're showing love. Let's make sure we're standing apart. Let's make sure we measure what we're involved in by, does it make me more loving? Does it make me more caring? And does it make me more like Christ? And that's when you become active in your faith. So right now, let me ask you to kind of look in the mirror. Let's examine ourselves. Would you honestly say your faith is real and your faith is active? Would you honestly say that you're loving the way Jesus wants you to love and living the way Jesus would want you to live? Do your words, do your words build up or tear down? Is your attitude in this season that's a season of testing, find yourself closer to God rather than further? God loves you, and Jesus could not care about you more than he does. So when Jesus said, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, you're foolish, here's why. It's because you're hurting yourself and you're missing out. He has so much for you. So today, if you're a Christian who honestly has have drifted away or backslidden in one way, shape, or form, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me to recommit your life to Christ. 
If you're someone who's never come to know the Lord, you've never entered that relationship with him, I want to invite you to pray a prayer where you could tell the Lord, yes, I want this. Maybe that's for you. Maybe it's you as a couple. Maybe it's you as a family. You and your friends all together saying, let's do this. Let's get right with God. So right now, I want to ask that. Are you ready to say, I want to be 100% committed to Jesus, and I really want to be someone who's living with him and for him? So some of you need to commit for the first time. Some need to recommit. So the first step in that process is to pray and tell him. And I'm going to lead a prayer where you can say that to him, where you can say, yes, I want to give my life to you. Let's pray together right now. And all of you who love the Lord, pray for people to say yes to him. Father, we pray right now for anybody who needs to make a commitment. It's time for change to come. For some, it's time for their faith to be activated and alive. To be real. For the first time or to recommit. So I pray, oh Lord, right now that your Holy Spirit would stir and touch anyone who needs this moment, needs this time. If someone got, is really being honest with you, Lord, and they know they're not being filled with love, there's too many other things there, I pray they'd be able to release the anger, release the hatred, release the, the judgmentalism, and open up to you and living better and differently. I pray right now they would know, Lord, it's going to be so much better if they would, and they would be yours. Right now, before I leave that prayer, is God calling you? Do you feel like the Lord right now is stirring and moving? And I'm hoping he is. If so, no matter where you are, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sins. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone who's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And if those are the only words you can say, say them. Say, I say yes. Right now, if you're thinking, man, I wish I'd prayed that prayer, just say those words. I say yes. I say yes to you, and I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Amen if you prayed that prayer. But as we saw, faith is meant to be active. And so the biblical pattern for anybody who comes to God, it starts by you telling God, praying a prayer, and saying, yes, I want to give my life to you. But if you do that, God wants you to do something active next. So if you're watching online, we want you to go to crossroadschurch.family, and there, right at the very top, you can click, yes, I made a decision to Jesus. So that is something you can actively do if you're watching online.
And as you go today, may you go committed in your heart and being empowered and guided by the Holy Spirit to be a doer of the word of God. May the Lord open your eyes to opportunities. May he prompt you to be able to to know in a moment the words you should say, the care you should show, and the love you should give. And may you be blessed at being a doer. God bless you and have a great day.